0: Hello there and welcome to the Football Digest Extra Time. Kaya Kainak of Football.London here for you and I'm joined by The Daily Star's Harry Pratt. We're here to talk about Arsenal versus Manchester United. Uh, didn't turn out to be the greatest game, but I think the most interesting thing, Harry, maybe you'll agree with me here, was um, it was two points dropped really for Manchester United on their way to the title chase.
1: How detrimental do you think this
0: result is for their title challenge?
1: Well, I mean, obviously a point normally, you know, against an in-form Arsenal team wouldn't be so bad even even when you're in a title race. But I think on the back of what had happened in midweek, it really was a chance for them to at least put that right and make a statement, which didn't quite happen. So in that respect, then it would be two points dropped, especially when you see what City and Liverpool are beginning to do.
0: And do you think um, Manchester United, with these kind of results in big games, so that's games against, uh, we were just talking before about uh, games against Spurs, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Arsenal now where they've just managed to score one goal and that one goal came in a 6-1 defeat did Man United have a problem in big games against top six opposition?
1: Well I mean you could also relate that to their semi-final situations where they lost some big big ones um, under Oli so it's beginning to have that pattern Um, I mean I thought they played quite well on on the weekend and um, created chances etc but yeah I mean it's those results don't lie really and when you're playing against those teams at the top, it's a statement, isn't it, to make that you're really in there and you've got the belief, one thing to be beating mid-table or lower. But yeah, if you can't beat the big six, suppose, you know, as we call them, um, at least once, in, I think it's six attempts now, isn't it? So yeah. as you say, one goal is pretty poor in that respect. So that that's that has to be disappointing and something that they need to look at.
0: Do you think with um, what we've seen from them recently, do you think they'll be able to Obviously, Manchester City are playing fantastically at the minute. They're four points ahead at the top of the table. um, Still looking like they could go to another level. Even their defense has improved. Their attack is fantastic. Do you think what we've seen from Manchester United in uh, recent weeks or recent games even sort of proves that some of the doubters about their title challenge right? Do you think they can still come back and be title challengers this season? Well, I I think they can.
1: Probably more due to the nature of the season, this COVID um, season, which is. Let's face it; has just teams' fortunes have fluctuated at such ridiculous pace. So, um, you know, I, I think I've written off City, Liverpool, and now I'm beginning to think I better write off United at the weekend and and look what's happened. So, um, I think things change very quickly. The weekend game with City playing Liverpool is is quite an interesting one, and if United can. Pick up points on both of them. Um, let's say that was a draw. Then, then they are back in. I think so. It's, it's not like they're gone, but they certainly need to have a psychology now and a mentality that says we really are in it and we're going to stay in this race because that's what's happened. Um, having come out of nowhere to be in the race, they've um, they've rather let it slip, especially that Sheffield United game. I mean, that, that was that was crushing. I think given. Yeah. Where they were were and they should have been top, really, shouldn't they? So um, yeah. it's 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 amazing how quickly things are changing in that respect, though. So be wrong to write them off quite yet. Um, one one team, I think we definitely can write off in terms of the title race is
0: Arsenal. No yeah. disrespect to Arsenal fans, but I think they're a bit too far back. Although David Luiz, to be fair, after the game was saying that top of the table is his ambition. So you know, maybe uh, maybe that's something to look at. Maybe, really maybe to this season, even that can happen. Who knows? Yeah, who <laughs> no. knows? Crazy season, but. um <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Arsenal will probably look at the game as rather than two points dropped as one point gained. Um, what do you make of their recent turnaround
1: and since Boxing Day? Well, I mean, I think it's been—it really has been a um, fantastic run. Um, I mean, I was at the Boxing Day game um, when they played. When they played well, and it he got lucky a little bit with the people being unavailable, brought in the young kids, and they clicked beautifully. Um, and they've really gone on from there, and I, I think um, it's on Saturday that they had good moments in the game, and they held their own even when they were, had been under pressure at times. And I thought the defence looked very good. Um, I think Holgate's been is just getting better and better. Um, Bernard Lino in goal, he, he's looking better, at getting more confidence. And there just seems to be a general spirit and unity and that might be to do with some of the ones that have left you know as in Ozil and the dressing room's better and it, it's Arteta's becoming Arteta's team now um, and when they play with pace going forward you know like most teams but when they play with that bit of zip they, they're looking good and I, um, they're enjoyable to watch again which they certainly hadn't been you know for a good couple of months um, and again I mean they're another, another remarkable story that on Boxing Day, he may have been a defeat away from the yeah. you know, on the brink and it was getting that difficult for Arsenal hierarchy to stick with him, I think. And then you, you see where they are now and they're flying. So, um, you know, patience is a virtue there, definitely, for the, for the chairman. Yes, I think a few other teams in
0: London may agree with you on that front. Um, how much credit do you think Mikel Arteta deserves for being able to turn this around in terms of, obviously, he was very close to being sacked and... You mentioned the defence there as well. That's been a problem at Arsenal going back to the Arsene Wenger days. How much credit does Mikel Arteta deserve for fixing what was such an obvious problem?
1: Well, I think, you know, huge credit and sticking with it when it was affecting them going forward. And that creates that, you know, a lot of finger pointing, oh, this isn't Arsenal and they're dull to watch and tight at the back but that's not what we want you know and it it sort of it was a wrong philosophy wasn't it for Arsenal because they've been so used to good flowing football even though they haven't been able to keep keep the goals out but as we know with all great teams um as they progress they have to be solid at the back and as we're seeing with City at the moment you know I mean their their defensive record is extraordinary and it, it enables you to win games which you weren't necessarily going to win on another season. And I think, you know, he has to take massive credit, Arteta, for everything that's happening there, um, you know, especially given the pressure he was under for a while. So um, mm. yeah, he's doing well, doing good. Agreed on that front. Um, just one more thing is how far do you think Arsenal can
0: go? I mean, obviously they've turned form around. They're still shaky in some games. You look at the Crystal Palace game when they drew 0-0, that FA Cup game where they lost to Southampton. There's not that much strength in depth. and with injuries to Saka and Tierney and Aubameyang still out due to his personal problems. Um, there's not that much strength in depth. So do you think Arsenal can realistically push for the top four this season or do you think that's a bit beyond them?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of other clubs in there. That's that's the point. So, you know, if it was maybe just six teams, but, you know, but there's so many teams who probably feel um, they have a chance and an opportunity and games are sort of unravelling in, in ways we're not expecting with strange results. So in... In that respect, I think they have got a chance still, um, but they'll need to be on a heck of a run, um, and it's it's that consistency of performance which they've got at the moment. Uh, but if you think on Saturday, they were missing three key players um, and still held their own, and could have they'd got a got a goal in that second half, which the game obviously needed so badly anyway, um, that they, they could have easily gone on to take the three points. So. I don't think you can write them off yet but there are so many teams involved that it might make it a bit difficult. You
0: mentioned uh, they could have got a goal um in the second half there was obviously that fantastic chance for Willian at the beginning of the second half which was the probably one of the better chances in the game maybe Cavani had the best chance. Um covering Arsenal this season obviously you get quite an insular you get quite insular and you get caught up in a bubble. I'm always interested to get um perspectives from other people on uh the Willian situation. Do you what do you make of it? It's, it's a strange, such a rapid decline from the player we saw at Chelsea who was never one of the best um, at Stamford Bridge but he was always a, a solid performer and to go from that to what we're seeing now, what what do you think is the cause
1: behind it? Well, I mean, I mean that's, that is difficult without um, knowing what his pre-season was like and, you know, just knowing everything that's going on within his environment. What I will say about William, I even remember with Chelsea, he would have phases where maybe he looked great for 10, 15 games and then Chelsea fans would get a little bit fed up with him that he wasn't performing as well. So he does have those sort of runs where he starts really getting involved in games. But his sort of energy doesn't seem quite the same as it was when he was at Chelsea. But that might be to do with confidence and feeling that, you know, that he's not quite knitting the team together as he feels he should be or wants to be. So it can have a sort of, you know, knock on effect that. But I, I do believe, I mean, I believe he's got a great personality. I, you know, he applies, you know, Chelsea always applied himself. And like anything, it, it is when you start hitting a groove and get that confidence, perhaps we'll see it more, Um, but of course, with the younger players coming in, that creates its own pressure because then if he comes in and he doesn't perform as well as the fans think, you know, um, the other younger guys are, then there's going to actually have a sort of, you know, increase that um, the pressure for him to perform. So, I mean, I don't think you can discard him yet because he's, that, he's too good a player to do that. Um, and I also believe Mikel Arteta wouldn't necessarily keep picking him, especially now, if... Yeah. If he didn't, you know, it didn't need to, so um, you know, or didn't want to. So, yeah, I mean, I think he th- he has been disappointing. But then this season has been so quick—the amount of games. It's it must be difficult sometimes to pick yourself up when you're in that rut of form because mm-hmm. they're coming so thick and fast, and there's very little time to prepare in between games, isn't there? I mean, there just isn't. It, yeah. it just- so um but I mean that that is an issue that there's perhaps there's not enough time on the training grounds that they would have had before, I think. I mean, there's um, another game, another game tomorrow for Arsenal, which is just
0: the turnaround in matches is amazing. And it's crazy. no surprise that the the all Premier League teams, I mean, except for Man United, pretty much seem to be picking up injuries all over the place. Man United have had an incredible run with injuries, but Arsenal um are lucky are looking likely to be without Bakayo Saka, Tierney and Abamiang again for that game, but will also Maybe we'll see Willian starting down at, up at Molyneux. Um, he was obviously a summer signing and we're into the January transfer window as we're recording its deadline day today. Um, before we touch on the deals that could potentially happen today, I just wanted to, uh, we can talk about Man United's business later or lack of business, but so far Arsenal have probably been one of the busier clubs in the Premier League. What do you make of their January transfer business so far? Obviously bringing in Odegaard. Bringing in uh, Matt Ryan from Brighton and the uh, young guy Omar Rekik as well,
1: and getting rid of a few um, older players who weren't playing. Yeah, I mean, I think the lad from Real Madrid Odegaard. I mean, he comes with great um, rep- sort of reputation, and um, obviously wasn't getting enough chance at um, at Madrid, but he clearly is a is a very bright um, player with good potential. So I think, and I th- he sounds like he'll fit neatly with that style of Arsenal. I think, and I think the keeper. Is a good one. Um, I'm surprised what's happened at Brighton. I mean, he seemed absolutely number one for so long there. Seemed to play quite well. There's obviously been some big difference of opinion behind the scenes that's allowed him to go from number one to literally out the team there. But he, he is a good backup. And I, that will, um, you know, give, the I think, the whole defence confidence because there was clearly an issue... With the, with the keeper going to Villa, who'd done so well, and you know Martinelli and um, Martins. Um, so in that respect, I think to have a solid number two is is a re- really important thing. Um, so good business, and obviously Oza leaving, I think is a you know that's a massive thing. He'd been such a weight around the club's net for so long. Um, whoever's fault that was from the clubs. Giving him too long a contract, too, big a big contract to the player, whether his you know, application wasn't correct. So the problems it must create in a dressing room when you have such a big figure who's not playing, not involved, and yet seems to be commenting on the social media. Yes. Um, yeah, and that that's that is a problem for a young manager, a new manager at such a big club where you've got, you know, so many people watching every everything that's said online or or in, in public, really. So I think they're in a good position to go forward now, I really do.
0: And just in terms of uh, deals that could potentially happen on deadline day, obviously we're recording it on the morning of deadline day, so we're not 100% certain what's going to happen later today. But I think it's interesting to note that certain players may be leaving on loan, just aside from potential destinations. When you look at players like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Reese nelson Joe Willock how important do you think it is for them at, their, at this stage of their careers to be going out and getting loans, uh, loan spells and getting minutes or do you think it would be better for them to maybe stick around and train with Arsenal and get to know the Mikel Arteta's philosophy a bit better
1: no I, mean, I think though that level of player but they need to be playing I think because they yeah. will be, if they're only getting you know the odd 20 minutes here and there uh, they, they can't get any rhythm in their game. And I think we've seen it with Ainsley, you know, had such a great sort of, I say, summer, that period, you know, whenever they had the last season was finishing and the new one was starting. Um, you know, and he, the fact that he was meant to be, you know, he was pretty much going to Wolves, wasn't he, I think. At the, in the, and then he had those two great games. No, we're going to keep him. And we've hardly seen him since. Um and that 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 must be very difficult for him when he sort of he committed his future back to Arsenal in the summer when in, they thought maybe you know he was going to be going and then and then he's suddenly really not playing at the moment so that, I think that sort of plan probably a good idea to move and at least be playing um, most deals are loan deals at the moment probably yeah. pandemic um, etc so it's not it doesn't mean you can't come back. And and revive that career, but I think at the moment, unless he can he feels he is playing a big enough part on the pitch, not just in the dressing room and in training, and that sort of side, then for, for him, I mean, he was he was in the England squad, wasn't he? And he was beginning yeah. to make a proper play, and that that will be on his mind too. It's a, it's a, he's he's sort of fallen, through, you know, through no fault of his own, quite a long way since the summer when he was had played such an important part. In the in those two Wembley games. You know, so. He's quite a
0: curious player, as He made and Niles, in the sense that he's obviously so versatile and he can play central midfield, he can play on either wing, wing back, full back, almost wherever on the pitch, except for centre back or centre forward. And he the, the deal seems to be hinging on whether he will be used as a full back. And you mentioned England there, obviously, and Gary Southgate seems to be going for a 3 4 3 formation. Obviously, there's not that many left backs in the England setup right now. Ben Chilwell's doing pretty well. Luke Shaw's having a good season, but Andy McNair's will be backing himself to get in the squad. Do you think um, it's maybe an idea for him just to focus on knuckling down a single position, or do you think the versatility that he's got is a real strength and a, another bow to another string to his bow? Sorry,
1: well, it so often depends on your manager, really, whether yeah. they, that they sort of like having a. a a versatile player but they also know where your best position is i think yeah. sometimes managers can think someone's so effective as a versatile player will just keep him in, in that sort of role um which i would think must get frustrating for the in, you know the individual player when he finds his chances are limited by that but you know the, when you look at it you would think versatility should be such an asset in a in a in a player and in a squad, and actually probably is more important, funny enough, in in an England than when you're away on a tournament. Yeah. Have injuries, you might lose your two left backs, have a suspension, and actually really do need someone who can s- slot in to a, to a role that perhaps he would prefer to be playing higher up the pitch. But I mean, the good thing is I think he can defend well, yeah, you know, and so and he's solid. He's, he and he tends to he's, he's right. He's an unfussy football player, and And that's what I think people like about him and managers like about him. Um, Now, whether he needs to put his foot down and say to Mikel, look, I really want to be playing this position only. In the end, that has to come down to him. um, A bit like a sort of Eric Dyer, you know, when he was going on, he wanted to play centre-half, not midfield. And in the end, a player has to make that decision and say, this is what I want to do. And if it doesn't fit that club but then maybe he does need to leave yeah so Mm. so it's a tricky it's
0: it's, yeah I I mean I don't I don't envy his situation in terms of having to decide what he wants for his future right now but uh, we've spoken a lot about Arsenal so let's move back on to Manchester United and they've been inactive in the transfer window do you think obviously given the circumstances and this surprise Title race that they found themselves in. I don't realistically think anyone was tipping them for the title at the start of the season, but that's that's where they are now. No, in even, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not even a month ago. So, do you think that they should have moved to strengthen certain areas? I haven't even got a position in mind, but do you think that Manchester United should have maybe gone out and they, they've got money? Do you think they should have gone out yeah. and uh, made statement transfers to improve the squad? Uh,
1: not necessarily. Actually, I think I mean, they've got a big, big squad. Um, We've got two players for every position who you think can, you know, from the fullbacks positions to center, you know, centre halves. Um, we've got two very good keepers. Um, maybe you know, Cavani is their only uh real out and out striker. So yeah. perhaps, perhaps that's the one position you think, you know. But again, you would at Manchester United or you know, whoever it is, if you're signing a, a striker. To be to be the main man, then he's going to be a heck of a player, and then they're certainly not going to be available in January um, without you know breaking the bank. So, I mean, I think in that respect, they haven't, they don't need to sign players, no, um, to certainly push on from where they are at the moment. But th- that might be the only position if you think Rashford and Martial are out and out goal scorers, um, yeah. that maybe they need just one backup for Cavani, um, who. Although he showed on Saturday that he's not as clinical as we all thought he was, so um, yeah. you know he really should have, he should have nailed those three points to them, I thought. With that, certainly the first chance he had, which I think you know yeah. got a, a, t- um, a touch on it, but yeah, it was given as a corner bizarrely. Yeah. He should have buried that when I thought. Yeah, that, that, but someone. But I. You know, that's just my own. My own. Uh, yeah, agreed. <laughs> agreed. I mean, obviously, Odi was at the club, but he
0: left um, a couple of days ago to. Go to Saudi Arabia I think so obviously he wasn't um, he wasn't in the America. level of backup they required I think mm-hmm. yes, he scored a couple of goals in the Europa League I think at the very beginning but he's obviously not the level that Manchester United need to be looking at and I think uh, yeah he was last year's deadline day signing and I think he upset quite a lot of Manchester United fans well not upset but I think the signing of him upset
1: yeah, a lot I mean then actually he did he did actually have a little impact didn't he scored mm. a few goals and things so I mean obviously the big one they got last year was Fernandez, wasn't it yeah. yes Yes. You know, so, um, yeah. but as I said, I, when you look at their squad and you, um, they they seem quite well covered. I mean, you look at their midfield: McTominay, Fred, um, Matic, and then you have got Cogburn. You know, they, they really have got quite a quite depth to it and quality of depth. So that would be the only position, but it shouldn't affect them being able to stay in a title race. You know, they I believe their squad is definitely good enough to be up there once they're up there. I mean, obviously, that yeah. yeah, was a big thing because confidence was so low and the pressure on the manager. Um, but ne- once they got there and they stayed there for a while and they had the good result in the cup against Liverpool and good points at Liverpool, which was a typical Fergie performance that nil-nil yeah. nil game, which, as you could say, was, you know, although United used to come and tend to tonk <laughs> Arsenal, didn't they, for a while, yes. you know, in the lack of anger years, um, but you know they, that they, they seemed, as I said, I think they've got a good—they've got a good squad, um, and they should be able to at least sustain a proper challenge with 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 what they've got and and not too many injuries. You know, you
0: must, yeah, you've almost um, led on to my my next question there, which was going to be obviously when you go through that squad, it is so strong, and if you look at teams like Manchester City who are struggling with centre forwards, Jesus came back. And scored at the weekend but he's been out and Aguero has been out for most of the season Liverpool are looking to sign a centre-back today but they've had Henderson and Fabinho playing at the back do you think Manchester United really um obviously no one was expecting them to do what they're doing but do you think they they should be taking more advantage of this than they seem to be doing right now they're in second and there's a dip in this form but this feels like a real moment for Manchester United they may not have been expecting it, but that's the reality. And this is their chance to win the league. Do you think they
1: really should be doing more with this opportunity they've been presented? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I was sort of thinking about this yesterday. How many of, you know, I mean, none of them have really won a prem Premier League title, I don't think, and apart from the manager. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, and I appreciate they're a collective and therefore it's not so much a sort of in an individual choking situation, but yeah, I mean they they were primed and in a you know, in a position where actually you thought if they were, you know, if the rest weren't careful, United could have actually created a bit of a gap. Yeah. And then suddenly they find themselves three points behind with, a, you know, with having played a game more. And and that's what I was trying to explain about the, sort of the rapid turnaround of results and how teams seem to one minute they're out of it and then they're suddenly back in and you think, crikey, you know, where did that one come from? And but obviously now... The other teams in there, and especially United, are slightly reliant that City won't carry on not conceding goals for the rest of the season and and scoring at least one. Um, you know, so, I mean, their defensive record is getting stupid now, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, and it, it, it it's just that is remarkable. And that's a funny thing when you think of the Guardiola team. To, yeah, to, they've locked sort of locked down, excuse the pun, but um, and then okay, they haven't had Aguero. Haven't had a maybe, you know what you're saying out and out number nine. But when you see Foden and those lot coming in and contributing goals at the amount they are, they we know they can score. You know, and this Sterling hasn't really perhaps played as nearly as well as he was a year ago. And so they've got a lot still to come. I think, um, and that's the worry for United in that respect. That, that, I looked at the table on you know Friday and you could just suddenly see that Crikey City could suddenly pull away a bit. Um, yeah. So I think it's a good thing that they've got Liverpool next for everyone else and, and that Liverpool have actually suddenly maybe returned to something like their form of a few months ago.
0: Agreed. It's very difficult to tell who can beat anywhere at the top. I mean, it's way too early this yeah. it's a strange one, isn't it? It's obviously deadline day, which normally means... Midway through the season, but because the season started so much later, it's not quite getting
1: towards the business end as it normally would be right now. So it's a little bit earlier. I know, me. I know what I mean, but then it feels like it's the business end because there are so many <laughs> games. I mean, you, 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 in two weeks you could have played four games, and that yeah. actually, your season's gone or is really flying again. So everything seems quite business endy, even yeah. though we're only halfway through it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, th- I think also the Champions League when that comes back in. I mean. I th- I, I think February is quite a tricky month for City with some of their games. So although they've, I can't remember what that, incredible run they're on at the moment of, you know, successive wins. But of course, one dent in that can change, completely change the psychology of a team anyway, especially if they've got a difficult game or they've got Europe coming up. So there's, there's a bit to go, but everyone needs to watch that so they don't they don't start getting away. Because once they get a like then they will be difficult very difficult
0: to catch and something um away from the title race and something after the game on saturday that happened that we really should touch on is uh marcus rashford was the latest player um, and yeah. last in the last week to be uh, the victim of some really unsavory abuse on social media and it seems to it's it's really obviously players taking a knee before the game is uh keeping it in mind's eye of every fan watching the premier league every person involved in the premier league and it seems to be on the rise right now um especially in the past week axel twanzaby reese james Romaine sawyers all targeted on social media um it's obviously really dispiriting Mm -hmm. to see and what what do you do you think there's something that do you think um, authorities are doing enough
1: yeah.
0: right now to cope with what's obviously a difficult thing to tackle indiv- in individual cases, but in terms of a collective, do you think people are doing enough?
1: Well, I mean, I think that the whole sort of taking of the need that, you know, absolutely should continue, you know, yeah. to keep putting it in, well, actually in people's faces, you know, mm. literally. Um, after the game I'd watched when I got home on um, Saturday and I was watching the Another game, which I can't remember which one it was, you know, one of the other live games after the Arsenal. Um, and that Mika Richards tackling racism, mm. I think it's called the program. And it, I just thought it was, it, it was, a sen, you know, for all the wrong reasons, a sensational program um, that actually essential viewing for everyone to be watching. I mean, uh, and we all think we have a good perspective of it and a knowledge of it. And Crikey, those sort of programs um, really ram it home. Uh, What the players go through on an individual basis, And it's very easy to think, oh, why have they got an Instagram account and this sort of nonsense, but it's got nothing to do with it. I think when you talk about the authorities, as in I presume you mean the sort of social media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Now, obviously, it is difficult. I mean, I think possibly the best way, if, if they can come off it to make a stand, is they will come off these platforms, um, that can make quite a big impression. And it also, it, get, it, it registers with other people on the platforms, mm. the, the, the punters, because um, that's their sort of their medium they go to to use. So that that makes a big statement. Um, but yeah, they, of course the authorities need to do more. Uh, and education of, of the younger generation And the next one up. And and it was interesting. I I can't remember who it was saying on the Mickey Richards that, you know, sometimes as you get an older generation, you almost have to leave them behind because you're not going to be able to sort of change them and educate them enough and actually concentrate on the ones that are, are more relevant. But it just seems to one person does it and then it triggers this space of it. Yeah. And on the other hand, we don't, how many incidences and posts do we not even hear about and that, that was the thing when I thought the Mika Richards show which I as I said it really you know it made me sit back and really watch I thought it was just essential viewing and how often they are putting up with it it's and it and and you talk about social media but you know we're talking every walk of life and it's yeah um and it, yeah it's, it's just it's a shocking shameful state of affairs really it, it's and very sad indeed it's a credit to Marcus Rashford and
0: all the players over the past week who've spoken out on social media. We've spoken there about how um, in the past we may not even have known it was going going on so much. Obviously, people knew it was going on, but it wasn't in their faces, as you were saying, and it wasn't being shown up as consistently as it is. And I think um, just looking at the social media post Marcus Rashford put out, the most depressing thing for me looking at it was um, the people in the comment section saying mm-hmm. that, um, implying that he... Deserve to be targeted purely because he'd had a bad performance. Personally, I didn't even think he played that badly, but the chance that he missed in the first yeah. half, they were sending screenshots of that saying, focus on your football. I think how he played on the day is irrelevant to the abuse. Yeah,
1: I don't think it's actually really, they're, they're just using that as a, an excuse. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah as, as someone makes a mistake, oh, let's pick, you know, oh, let's do it because we know, and, it, and it's coming, and as I said, it's not about I don't think necessarily they've had a bad game or done something wrong on the pitch. Or, well, obviously it's not. It's got nothing oh, to do with Of course not. Teams like me, it's almost like they're watching games, waiting for someone to make a mistake, Then, yeah. then, oh, let's all attack him. And it, it's the way it tends to, it seems to trigger, as I said, a, a flow of them, although maybe that's people making it public and we're not, you know, and that's the shocking bit. Perhaps we're unaware of how relentless um. These comments coming through are, but it's yeah. got to be down to these platforms to be far more aware of it. I mean, you can you can be banned on Facebook now for doing nothing. <laughs> you know, sort of make, I don't know, sending a link of of some conspiracy theory and you get blocked for 28 days. Not this happened to me, but a few of my friends, you know, totally nothing to do with anything particularly untoward. So it is obviously quite possible to get and and nail this and block them. And it's actually down to yeah, it's definitely down to what we say the broadcasters or the mediums to take better action on this because it's, the, there's only so much the individual players can do other than just come off the platforms and, and actually maybe that will be a dent in the finances of these of these platforms that it will make them think but you know, they have to take responsibility for it and and look at ways they can come down on it much much harder and then also be able to report these individuals to the police. You know, that, that's really important. So,
0: Well, it's, um, it's a sad night to end um, the show on. It is. It is. Uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to bring things to a close. Um, here on, on Football.London with the Arsenal page and all the London clubs, we're going to be covering all the transfer deadline day um, stories throughout on our social media pages, on our Twitter, on our Facebook, etc. So do keep an eye on all of that. And I'm sure it'll be the same on the start, um, covering every all the Monday madness that we get throughout mm-hmm. the deadline day, all the way up to eleven this evening, which is when deadline day shuts and when the January transfer window comes to an end and some form of normality can resume if you can even begin to start some form of normality in this crazy Premier League season we're seeing. Harry Pratt, thank you so much for Absolutely. joining me on the, Thank you for joining me on the uh, Football Digest Extra and uh, thank you all for watching and listening. Cheers.